Hello, hello. It's another case of mixtape and identity, and my guest this week is Jack Pelling. Yes, thank you so much for joining me. This is episode 53, and my guest this week is Jack Pelling. Jack is one of the hosts of the excellent podcast, Your Own Personal Beatles, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about at the end, but you should definitely go and check that out. Um, he also, I didn't know this when I asked him to be on the show, but he also works on Taskmaster, which is one of my favorite shows. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I had a great time with this list. I I think this is probably the list that had the most like recognizable names, but maybe slightly more obscure songs for me personally. Um, so I had a really great time with this. Um, I really, really liked the list and it's a great chat. Jack really knows his stuff. So in, in a way, this was kind of educational for me as well, which was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll we'll dive right in. I'll be back at the end of the episode, uh, but for now we'll get into episode fifty-three of Mixtape and Identity with Jack Pelling. Jack, how often do you actually listen to music at the moment? Um, I listen to music quite a lot. Um, I'm quite a sort of sit down, listen to music kind of person, right. rather than a sort of backgroundy thing. Sure. Um, and I spend too much money on vinyl and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's a bit of a decompressor. I got really sort of back into it during lockdown, actually, of really intently listening to stuff and trying to get more into new music because it's so easy to be sort of lazy, yeah. which was a good comfort in lockdown to sort of revisit the old classics, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, so much amazing music at the moment. I just can't keep up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. I, I had a similar thing during lockdown because I, because um, there was there was little else to do, basically. I sort of, you know, you, you could either go with it or go against it. So yeah. I think the, the going against it was like, actually, okay, I'm going to focus in on something to take my mind mm. off it. And that, yeah, I went back to albums quite a bit. Um and that's that's a common question I have is like do you go through do you listen to playlists much or like are mm. mostly albums I don't re- I use it as a kind of discovery tool a bit um right. with I have like a really amazing collaborative playlist on Spotify which is kind of the re- only reason I'm on it okay um with some friends that um have amazing music taste called Beat okay. the Algorithm um excellent and uh yeah so that I listen to quite a lot but I'm I'm very much quite an album person. I'm quite analog right. and uh, stuffy about these things. So I haven't really. I used to love. I love putting them together. And back in the sort of the mini disc days, I, right. I, was, I was such a big fan of mini discs. Sure. Quite an unfashionable opinion, I think, especially <laughs> now. Yeah. But even at the time, they were never seen as like that cool. But I just loved how you could spend hours naming them going through every letter clicking through to the right one mm. um so yeah i love that but in terms of my listening habits i'm definitely more of an album sort of complete one hour thing kind of person yeah right okay what and about the, you oh um mainly mainly playlists to be honest right. um i think well at the minute my music listening is entirely dominated by doing this show so right okay like, I, I i listen to the the playlist relentlessly ahead of doing a recording so i know the song oh, cool. because like my in terms of my background and my experience in music i was very very limited for a long long time mm. and that's one of the reasons i started doing the show is because i wanted to get other people's recommendations and i wanted right. to i got to a point where i thought i hated music because <laughs> i hated all of my own stuff and i didn't like finding new stuff so 
yeah mm. that's one of the reasons to start doing this um, okay interesting but yeah like in in the past i think i i used to if i liked a song or i liked an artist i used to like download their discography and trying to find other stuff through that and just like mm. um stick on an, like i don't know an old album and see if there's anything in that that i connected with or i liked um but yeah i, I just I, I don't do that so much anymore if i'm not doing stuff for the show i will listen to albums um, yeah but yeah like it's there's a lot of playlists though oh cool for sure um so your your beat the algorithm playlist then is this mm. um are they trying to introduce are you trying to introduce each other to new music or are you going back to old classics or what's the, what's the yeah there's that? a sort of unwritten rule that it's you know nothing you might have heard somewhere else okay um but it's a lot of soul and um a lot of kind of african music and okay. just things that you know you might hear on worldwide or resonance fm or you know a specialist six music program right but uh it's just a, a group of friends who have sort of dissipated to all different parts of the world and it's a good way to sort of keep in touch really and we've yeah. all got similar music taste but diverse enough to always be finding new stuff and even if it's an interesting cover or something like that yeah yeah um okay and, and for you then do you, do you do you seek out new music or you've obviously got quite a quite a vinyl collection is that what you go back to yeah, um, I do. I, in the last few years, I've been a lot since we've been doing the Beatles podcast. Yeah, I've been a lot more kind of proactive with listening to new stuff. Okay, um, because you can get quite bogged down in, you know, the sixties and seventies, and sure. you know, in the modern in the modern Spotify era, it's just you know, there's so much music that it's kind of tempting to. Um, it's quite tempting to just home in on one specific type of thing but i've never really my music taste has never really been like that um right okay. as you'll probably hear quite soon yeah sure. um but i think also post lockdown especially in the last couple of years the rate of amazing new stuff that's coming out is just insane mm. and the problem isn't really seeking it out it's having the time to like properly digest it and yeah. for things to stick with you because I'm quite a kind I get quite obsessed with things and that's always been my kind of MO with right. getting into records whereas now I find like I just don't have the time to do that because something amazing comes out two weeks later and you know it's, yeah. it's up on the shelf gathering dust but um, yeah it's a really great time to do it yeah definitely okay perfect well okay. let's let's jump into the list then sure. so song one is a song you fell in love with straight away so you went for It's Raining Today by Scott Walker. Yes, uh, and that's kind of a result of, I mean, this sort of obviously I got into him about 10 years ago, but that thing that you were saying earlier about sort of getting frustrated with your listening habits. And sure. I began to wonder whether I could really emotionally connect with an artist or get really obsessive about an artist because mm. I know that does sort of happen to you a lot in your teens and your early 20s and then that sort of fades away um yeah and I remember hearing this way later than is cool <laughs> for you know <laughs> sure. um and thinking that it was that Radiohead song um How to Disappear Completely which completely rips off the kind of string part on this song um right, which okay. is this sort of dissonant string pedal note that runs throughout the whole thing that um, ostensibly has no relationship to what the music is doing but 
just kind of mm. generates this kind of unsettling undercurrent. Um, and yeah. I just hook, line, and sinker immediately. I was like, oh my God. I knew who Scott Walker was, but I kind of knew him through the later stuff that was a bit more challenging. Um, right. And I'd seen, you know, culture show interviews with him, and I was aware that when he did Meltdown. I tried to sort of get into it, but it seemed a bit impenetrable because I'd never really heard three Scott three and Scott four. Um, but this was just yeah a real kind of gateway into him as an artist, and it I got really really excited about sort of whenever it was mm. ten years ago that I could oh it's still a, it's still there that spark like you know it might not yeah uh, be quite as explosive as it used to be or happen as often, but I love the fact that you can still kind of fall in love with records like that um and because it is more seldom i guess it's like more enjoyable um but i just think it's such an unbelievably yeah. beautiful song i mean i'm sure um it's quite a well-known scott walker song or whatever but it's just it sums up everything about him his sort of ethereal nature how kind of uncategorizable it is um his beautiful mm. vocals and really sort of arcane mysterious lyrics that are kind of exist from some kind of plucked out of some other plane i just i think it's absolutely extraordinary and i've been obsessed with it ever since really mm. yeah yeah I, I love that it's it's that, that was one of the things i really love about having done this show over the last year is that that is definitely a feeling that i experienced of yeah not just like not liking my music but for a long time the music that I did listen to was like it was new music from artists that I mm. already knew and it was kind of that's a different experience I think to finding someone new it's like you know you're, you're you go into that with certain expectations because you you know the artist already yeah um and yeah it had been a long time since I emotionally connected with with a song or with music before I started doing this show again so mm. um so yeah, I, I I know what you mean. Um, it's a really beautiful song. I I, I hadn't heard this one before. Oh, right. Um, uh, as I said, like you know, very small bubble in terms of my taste mm. in music. So uh, a lot of these are are new to me. Yeah, it's super. I like the way it kind of yeah. It seems to appeal to sort of any kind of music taste. Scott Walker a bit because it's sort of mm. you know it because it kind of defies genre to a certain extent. Um, people that yeah. are into him that are really into metal or really into hip-hop or not huge you know, uh, lyrics people not usually music people and vice versa i think mm -hmm. for someone who's quite niche there's a real <laughs> universal appeal to it um yeah and it's just so beautiful it's irresistible yeah there's a very there's a very very soulful energy to it like you can it i don't get that with a lot of artists where i really feel like there's there's something to it there's something more mm. behind it you know what i mean um but yeah i definitely felt it listening to this song and i think that's um that uh dissonant string mm. uh effect that you were talking about um one thing I've, I've been speaking to a few people recently who are into music production and one of the things that they talk about is like certain notes or certain effects that you won't necessarily hear but you'll feel yeah yeah um and yeah this is i think that's one of them like there there's definitely a i don't always pick up on that particular sound but yeah you can definitely feel it yeah 
there's a there's an energy that it brings for yeah sure. there's so much atmosphere to his records and you're right it is a soulful quality i mean it's not by any means soul music but if soul means to just no. absolutely mean it 100 percent, then the, yeah, this definitely. this record and all of his music is like that even the stuff that you know people might find a bit too avant-garde or whatever it's uh it's sure. completely him always hmm. definitely all right perfect Song two is a song that took you a while, so we went through station to station. By yeah, um, Bowie's a, was very much part of my childhood, and my mum had lots of Bowie records, and I sort of was obsessed with kind of all of them for different ways. And then this was this record was always a bit of a roadblock um, because I right. guess Bowie gets progressively a bit more experimental in this period and kind of I think maybe if I had had access to it when I was younger I maybe would have broken into it a bit longer because I, I liked low but I liked the first half um wasn't so nuts mm. about the kind of um ambient side B but this song it just I just never really got past the first sort of few minutes of it really and it's probably as right. simple as that um because <laughs> it's got a very kind of it's a very slow burn opening um and yeah. i think it was might even be um after he died that blackstar blackstar that kind of unlocked this record a bit for me because i think they're quite right. similar kind of spiritually if i can use that slightly wanky term um go for but it but once yeah once i got into it i was just like oh my god you idiot what have you been doing <laughs> not listening to this i mean it just gets better and better it's it's a real every time you think oh this i just love this bit this is so clever it just gets better and better so you get to the kind of um you know once there are mountains on mountains bit and then it's just every new little section of it is just more outrageous it's just pure kind of virtuosic vision and uh you know, and mm. that sort of once I was in on this the title track, I was like world is a whim, but yeah. the the rest of it kind of fell into place, and now it's probably it's right up there with my favorite Bowie records. Right. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Mm. Yeah, but Bowie's an artist for me that I've never never got into, and I think it's it just like when I was younger, it wasn't didn't really connect with me mm. for whatever reason. It was just like I was just into other stuff. Um. And then I think for a long time, the roadblock for me is that I think a lot of people who talk about Bowie, I think like I'm Adam Buxton's a really good example. Mm. I like I listen to his podcast and I think people who talk about Bowie, they're they're obsessive in a way. Yeah. And they talk about like the different eras, the different like um, uh, like what he was doing year on year. Yeah, yeah. And what that different sound was and all this different stuff. And it felt like. It, it felt like too much to get into mm. and it, all you have to do is like start with one album one song and like work out what you like yeah. from there but it just it just feels too vast yeah it's um, a bit like sort of getting into always sunny in philadelphia or something now when it's kind of 15 <laughs> seasons in and you don't know where to start but um yeah, yeah. it's definitely something slightly yeah. impenetrable about it and i think because i grew up with uh, like chain like hunky dory Changes was the first Bowie song I remember hearing. Absolutely right. rinsed that record. They're all again like LPs that my mum used to have. 
um, and then yeah. sort of because I followed them in a kind of linear trajectory through Ziggy Stardust into the more kind of weirder 70s stuff I think I'd prepared myself for it but I can actually I can absolutely right. see how when there's such a vast body of work held in such high regards it's hard to know where yeah. to start I have that a bit I have artists like that myself with like Leonard Cohen or Nick Cave or these quite like right. cerebral artists with huge back catalogues and lots of different styles and yeah mm. I, want, I worried about getting it wrong <laughs> yeah you know exactly exactly um but it's always good to have like I, I i really like when i get a bowie song on a playlist because um we usually people pick a song that is like is maybe slightly more accessible right. or works as a single mm -hmm. and isn't necessarily tied into a whole album um so yeah I, and, and it's just it's a good it's a good gateway for mm. me because I, i've never i've literally never heard a bowie song that i've not enjoyed right. like since doing the show or like you know in the last few years it just doesn't happen I, th I think he's great it's just it's just getting over that sort of that mindset to actually start yeah. getting into a record and i think when i when i do slow down with the podcast and we've caught up and i've got a few episodes lined up or whatever um and i'm able to listen to music for myself um i think bowie's probably an artist yeah. maybe someone could recommend you a few really shit ones and then it'll be less intimidating because <laughs> there's a lot of stinkers as well <laughs> Maybe the the, the magic good, will yeah. be washed away. Yeah, yeah it's straight away. <laughs> oh, he's 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 human. This is yeah. This is <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. Um. All right. Perfect. Song three then is a song from your introduction to music. So you went for Bad Out of Hell. Yeah. Bad yeah. Kind of. I I kind of made two conscious decisions when you asked me to do this, and I've had such a great time putting them together. And one was right. to never try and be cool. And pick the okay. like the cool the cooler Tick. option, and the other one was yep. um, well, because a lot of my education and stuff was like, all like classical music, right. so I kind of deliberately haven't picked anything like um, you know that would have literally been my introduction introduction to music because I started playing the piano and the cello or something when I was really young, and I don't think anyone wants to hear me talk about uh, you know grade two cello pieces um but in the spirit of both of those things uh, not being cool right. and the first kind of popular music that i remember hearing sure. uh this is bat out of hell by meatloaf which was the first cd that i ever got bought um i got given a little kind of uh, sanyo kind of boombox thing with a cassette tape and a cd player at the top and um, i don't think the album was even better out of hell i think it was the best of um meatloaf i have absolutely no idea why I, my i had a godmother who bought it for me and she knew i liked music and she like looking back on it she had quite good taste so god knows where right. best of meatloaf <laughs> came from but i think i would yeah. have loved absolutely anything at that age because i think i was about i don't know eight or nine and I just loved yeah. that I had a CD player that, and I had my own CD and that was right. enough for me. But yeah. I really do like that record. And I yeah. think there's something about Meatloaf's unashamedly, you know, bombastic, not remotely concerned with being cool. You know, the haircut kind of says it all. Um, yeah. 
and it's just like pure joyous fun spectacle music and i didn't you know and yeah i just absolutely loved it when i was a kid i was quite into sort of musicals and like west end stuff that i was learning at school and this yeah, yeah, was very yeah. much of that kind of vibe um and in yeah. more recent years my my current girlfriend is uh really really loves meatloaf and uh in right. lockdown we used to, every time you know a, a night it got a little bit silly bat out of hell would come on and you get the right. lyrics out and i never really read the lyrics but they're absolutely preposterously terrible <laughs> but it's sort of more of the fun really and if you don't i don't know part of me yeah. there's a part of me a more reactionary part of me that would say if you can't find anything to like in bat out of hell then i'm not really interested in you <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of stupid fun yeah um yeah is this the point where you say you hate meatloaf and i've insulted you no not <laughs> at all not at all um yeah like i think you know meat, meatloaf is um quite often a bit of a punchline yeah um but it's kind of his that, own joke <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah i know what you mean um but yeah like I've, I've again i've been listening to there's been a few meatloaf songs in the um, in the show oh, really? over, over oh, last year, and yeah, and I've really, really enjoyed them. And it's, I don't know, it's one of those things where I think, I think Meatloaf is a is an artist that people have to say that they enjoy ironically, right? Okay, yeah, but I don't think there's a difference between enjoying things ironically or unironically. No, I think you're just enjoying. No, not at all. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I, I've, I've, I've nothing bad to yeah. say about it, and I. Yeah, I like I, I actually yeah I really like Meatloaf as well. I think he's got a really yeah a, a crazy fun energy. I think some of the songs are actually really funny, um, but they're just like they're just pure joy and energy. Yeah, like from from start to finish. I mean, I went to um, a couple of years ago for my other half's birthday. I took her to Meatloaf the Musical, which uh, right. I was really dreading, but I thought you know what she'll absolutely love it, and I think. It was obviously about to close because there were about 20 people in this massive theatre. But I think it's probably the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. That that it was so... that All that money had been spent on it and it was so kind of mainstream but also so weird. It's almost like sort of quadruple thousand platinum selling outsider art. It's so incredibly mad. Um, But yeah, I love that there's a place in the world for that. And when he died, I was quite pleased to see the kind of outpouring of love for it because yeah a lot of people are quite embarrassed to like meatloaf and it's not something i would listen to you know that often but you know i definitely love it (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely all right song four is a song that makes you happy so you went for shake your rump yeah love the beast boys a lot of it's caught up in kind of you know proustian revelry (laughs) <laughs> teenage years endless right. summers that sort of thing but um this record in particular again i'm sort of more of an album person but paul's boutique um i'd say it's probably the most like joyous record um and then it's got that other side to it that it's completely underrated as how much it kind of pioneered hip-hop and sampling and basically created like a whole new genre of music despite being a bit of a kind of sales and even at the time kind of critical failure that they're still quite pissed off about and I can completely understand that 
but this this mm. record and what they did on with the Dust Brothers on it, you know, in the days where you get a slap on the wrist for sampling Beatles songs and things that would now bankrupt you forever. Um, but there's right. such of that, um, you know, quixotic nature to it, and I think they are kind of. I like records that sound like they have nothing to lose. And mm, after the Beastie mm-hmm. Boys became massive doing, you know, becoming the fight for your right to party people, they sort of moved to LA and had a bit of a break and then made this just ridiculously uncompromising record full <laughs> of this like amazing sampling and soul break beats and crazy like Jimi Hendrix s- samples and this song, if I had to choose one off that record that is just like pure summer kind of beers in the park vibes. Uh, is is shake your rump and it's just, just I will never not have a smile on my face when I listen to it. Yeah, I I think it's a I think it's very difficult to listen to this a song like this and not yeah smile. yeah it's it, it is pure fun. yeah it's sort of getting out yeah. you know mid midsummer when it doesn't get dark till ten o'clock leaving work and walking very purposely to the nearest orange drink shop. <laughs> with a big grin um, yeah <laughs> that's where I like to be <laughs> yeah. yeah 100% um, yeah I like I like that when uh, I like the backstory as well because I, I do like that when you know an artist has as you said has like nothing to prove uh, nothing to lose they've sort of as you say they, with this one they've made it already they've done what they set out to do and then I like when when they go away and then they they come back with something that is actually like, um, oh, I don't want to I don't, don't want to use the term artistically like valued, mm. but that's kind of what I'm thinking about. It's like so, something like like that you can tell they've actually put effort into yeah, it, put yeah. thought into it because I do feel like a lot like you can tell when an artist has like had their success, gone away, and then they come back with something where you can tell that they're sort of half assing mm. it and they just want to sort of they're just cashing in on that on that moment. Yeah. So I always like it when an artist like is fully like um just fully motivated by the art mm. itself and like want to make the best thing that they can and they come back with something Yeah. Like and it's a really sort of perfect it. storm of happenstance where what that record was for them turned out to right. be this kind of epochal record that wouldn't be fully appreciated until at least kind of 10 years later because it's sort of never really gets mentioned in the same breath as the kind of early tribe records if you're into the kind of strand of hip-hop that i'm into um and i guess because they were the sort of like frat boy annoying like middle class jewish kids from manhattan or whatever um (laughs) yeah it doesn't make sense within that the kind of narrative of of what like hip-hop or like underground hip-hop as we used to call it became but um, I, I just don't think there's anything, you know, in without this record really. It changed, changed, mm. changed everything. And at the same time, mm. it's exactly all those things that you were saying of being a pure artistic vision, as well as them not really taking it too seriously. It's still got a kind of punky aesthetic. Um, yeah. And I just I think it's one of the most underrated records ever made. All right, perfect. Okay, song five then is a song that makes you sad. 
so you went for a real yeah right it's funny when you listen to these as a playlist because when i made this playlist i I made it into a literal (laughs) playlist and i was uh listening to it um to remind myself of my choices and it's quite a um (laughs) you feel like you're being pushed off a bus bit where going from shake your rump to real emotional girl (laughs) but um yeah randy newman is one of those (laughs) people that i think i will i kind of made my peace with the fact that he's never going to have the standing that he deserves and also i quite like that now um because if i meet someone who's really into randy newman's solo work that's kind of a friend for life (laughs) i think there's not many of us um there's this superb john ronson um documentary about randy newman where he sort of came to the same conclusion of despite him scoring all of these kind of pixar films and his songs being covered by you know nina simone and joe cocker and having huge hits with them and tom jones or whatever the solo records mm-hmm. i don't know if they've sold more than a million ever i think it would right i'd be surprised but for me uh i think he's the greatest american songwriter of the 20th century and this song is kind of encapsulates everything that I love about him. And it's also terrifyingly sad <laughs> because it's mm. um, and, and what I like about Randy Newman's songs is a lot of them are written kind of in character and they will kind of reward a lot of multiple listens. And this song sort of, I guess, ostensibly is you know a bit of a ballad about a girl a guy who's in love with a a young girl who is kind of fragile and in Mm. if that's the way that you want to read it then it's still an absolutely beautifully heart-rending song and it's got all of the sort of you know he's never really saccharine and i can see how he's a perfect choice to do something like toy story and those real kind of tear-jerky things but the more that you think about the, this song and its context of the album that's on, which kind of a context, uh, kind of a concept record, um, it's kind of the guy is at fault, and that he's the okay. the narrator is uh, you know he's caused all this kind of misery, and there are the sort of little lines that will pop out of you after, at you after kind of listening to this for years and years, where you think, oh right, this guy's like a complete shit and actually he's the same person (laughs) who sings this horrible song a couple of ones before and they're all kind of mixed up in this kind of grey cloud of like southern Americana where kind of I think Randy Newman's really interested in those really grey areas and that's always where I think the most interesting stuff is so on the one hand it's a song about kind of southern identity and how you know southerners and and rednecks kind of written off by kind of liberal american society and you can dig into that and you can see now i'm sort of digging (laughs) digging digging a hole into it but also on the face of it it's an absolutely beautiful little piano ballad with some amazing string writing i think as a a arranger and an orchestrator he's one of the best in the business and if you ever ever get the chance to go and see him uh he's absolutely extraordinary 
um, and mm. you know you can't watch him play this on the piano and not being floods floods of tears and it you know bringing up loads of you know I, I remember getting you know the whole kind of two years of when I first got into this song and your as your relationship evolves with his music you kind of grow up at the same time and you know I think these these uh, these 70s solo Randy Newman records are just as they really are as good as it gets I think for me mm. okay perfect what did you think of it um I, th- I thought it was incredible like I yeah I mean I'm, I'm one of those people like I, I know Randy Newman from mm. off of Toy Story um and I've heard the odds like the odd bit of his solo stuff but yeah, I thought it was an incredible song. Um, I think it's really, really beautiful. Um, I really, I really like the lyrics. So, and I, I, I love. I've not really thought of a good articulate way to say this, but there's a real, there's a simplicity but a complexity to mm. what he's saying, uh, like the and the way he writes, like the the way he's getting the point across is very simple, very simple language, but there's there's just a yeah. lot of layers to it there's just like in, yeah. in the way he puts it across and um like mm. it, it's just it's just poetry um and that's I, I i that that's a style of writing that i will always mm. connect with straight away um is when there is that sort of that yeah element that i can it's that really line that's um i've never had a girl who loves me half as much as this girl loves me and you realize that he's he's bragging about it and that he's kind yeah. of you know there's this a bit of machismo triumphalism and pleasure in her pain and stuff yeah. and it's you know I, I think it's right up there with any kind of Leonard Cohen or you know, that I've ever heard it's just more subtle yeah like I, that that was one of the ones I picked out as well because it's because for me it's because it follows so much of him describing like how like how sad she is she cries in her sleep like I've heard her crying in her sleep mm. before, and then I've never had a girl love me quite as much as, or half as much as this girl loves me. And you're like, it sounds like a really nice sentiment, but then in the context of what he said before, you're like, well, that that does sound a little bit, uh, like abusive almost. It's like yeah, it's he very, he is he is abusive, I think. Yeah. And you know, he listens to her crying in, in her sleep, but doesn't do anything about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just it's so evocative. Um, and it's just it's such amazing character and it's all in the music it's not necessarily in the delivery it's just in these completely fully formed sort of songbook style songs and yeah. oh, extraordinary as you can tell i could talk about it forever <laughs> if you ever meet me at a house party and tell me you like randy newman that's it <laughs> evening over <laughs> locked in yeah yeah all right perfect so song six is a song to relax too so you went for undo yeah i really love this song i really love this record i have a bit of a kind of i'm not really one for as i mentioned at the top of the show sort of background music or music to relax to i kind of like to be quite attentive right and i find that quite react quite sort of relaxing and this record vespertine um is kind of that's it's a kind of a concept album about the act of sort of retreating into yourself really 
right. and a big reaction against her previous record, which was this sort of maximalist hyperpop. Um, and this is all sort of tiny little beats um, or micro beats, as she calls them. Um, and yeah, it's just, I would, yeah, in terms of if I am really kind of frazzled and at the end of my tether, then this is a record that I always, always kind of go to and just listening to those sort of tiny little beats dancing around and I, I don't know how familiar you are with how she kind of made the record but um, she, yeah, she basically programmed hundreds and thousands of these tiny tiny little sounds um, to make it sound like they're the kind of you know the sound that a seed might make when it pops or something like that it's kind of right. what the vision in her head so it's, there's just sort of these tiny little clicks and pops and if you listen to it on a really good sound system um they just sort of they literally kind of dance around the kind of stereo space and i just find it really kind of hypnotic and then the, the lyrics to this song are particularly kind of beautiful and mm. it's all you know about kind of yeah it's something that you could probably have on a mug <laughs> um or next to your sort of prosecco o'clock sign but it's basically right. just, you know, it's not meant to be a strife. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, it'd be very nice if, uh, as someone who works a lot on shop, Photoshop, it'd be very nice to have an undo button for, <laughs> for everything in your life. Um, <laughs> but this, yeah, this record for me in particular is, for, for a long time, uh, uh, Homogenic was my favourite of her albums. And uh -huh. I think there's not many artists that I've kind of loved all my life but she's certainly one and as I get older I kind of lean more to this album I just think it right. every time I listen to it it gets better I, I okay. think it's a complete masterpiece and yeah. I love it to bits <laughs> all right so the, the the relaxing element for you then that is that so is it the hyperfixation on those little yeah clicks that 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 takes you out of your head or what's the what, i think what's so the relaxing it's just it's i just find it very sort of cathartic there's so much to listen to it's so absorbing and it, you obviously towards as that particular song goes on it kind of has all these beautiful choral lines and mm. it is kind of tra transportative in in that way but i think because the atmosphere of the record is so kind of minute that it just brings me into a sort of slightly cocooned headspace. Okay. Um, and yeah, that, that's basically you know I wouldn't say it's like chill out vibes in any way, sure. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah de definitely will sort of pull me back from the brink as someone who's quite an anxious person. Um, okay. Yeah, it's more more that vibe than sort of you know Ibiza classics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, that makes sense. Um, no, I like that. Like, I think this category in general tends to be quite a. It's a nice category in the sense that I like having like relaxing and chilled songs to listen to, but generally speaking, the vibe is basically, you know, someone's picked a relaxing song, they tell me it's relaxing, we move on. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The, like it's it's difficult yeah. to get a conversation out of it sometimes, and it's difficult. I think. I think most people sort of go route one in terms of what that relaxing side of things means to them. Um, that's not a bad thing. That's just like, 
you know, a lot of people that's how they relax yeah but i get that I, I do like a slightly a slightly different focus in terms of what what relaxing means or what it, like what it is that sort of you find maybe soothing or um mm. something you can f- focus on it's yeah i think because i'm just so if there's music on i'm so drawn to it i can't right. really focus on like i can't read like some people work with music uh, yeah. or read with music that is insane to me i can't <laughs> i can't do that even if it's like terrible music that i'm not interested in my sort of brain will just wander out of my ear off to whatever you know i need complete <laughs> silence if i'm gonna have to be with my own stupid thoughts <laughs> um but yeah i, sure. I don't know I, i'm getting more into sort of ambient music but i kind of feel guilty when i'm listening to it because i'm not giving whoever made it the appropriate attention right okay that's their little insight insight into my psyche there <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good all right perfect song seven is a song from your pre-teen years so you went for off the wall but yeah Jackson. yeah big time i was really into michael jackson when i was it's kind of the i loved like beatles records and those bowie records that my parents had and they had really good record collection and my dad was really into jazz i'm sure we'll talk about in a minute but i never they didn't really have any like solely black like pop music um right and i remember going to on holiday to turkey which was very exotic and exciting when i was i don't know about six or seven or and they had those kind of those black market stalls where you could buy cassettes and uh I remember buying off the wall and just like oh it's like buying drugs <laughs> it was just so i so intoxicating and i went it was a sort of family holiday with uh, a friend of mine who's sort of my musical soulmate my friend douglas who will come up quite a lot during the this because it's quite an integral part of my kind of formative music memories but yeah i was just like getting into kind of music that you can properly dance to um and yeah it's sort of a very strange journey to have been so obsessed with michael jackson (laughs) um you know it was the first gig that i ever went to was michael jackson at wembley stadium um wow and yeah i just i loved all the i love you know really opened a lot of doors to me even though i didn't really obviously know it at the time but in terms of like motown you know the first motown records i ever listened to would have been like early jackson's records or whatever um sure but yeah this song in particular is just my favorite it's the funkiest song off one of the funkiest records ever made and yeah. quincy jones is arranging on it it's just insane the vocals on it uh, you know, as good as you would expect, sort of peak era Michael Jackson to be. Any yeah. track off this record comes on, a, you know, a wedding or you know, wherever it may be, I'm I'm boogieing down, and you can tell how right. bad a dancing I might be by the fr- fact that I use the phrase boogieing down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is the <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> wow. So the f- first gig. Was, was yeah the first one how how do you go on from there well like how do you go to your second gig let me tell you shane there were a lot of mistakes after that along the way (laughs) i think my (laughs) second gig oh god knows what it would have been but uh 
I don't know, what would have been my second gig? I think it might have been Elton John and Billy Joel, which is sort of less oh, wow. less okay. cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I remember, it's funny, it was on the 7th of July, and I remember every single second of it. And it's nice to have no kind of false memories of it, because there's no footage of it. Whereas I find with right, a lot okay. of things these days, you can look them up on YouTube or whatever, and then they will yep. kind of alter your... So I probably do have a lot of kind of false memories of it but i just remember it being you know the old wembley stadium uh, never it was a real kind of epochal moment um mm. even though you know at, he was way past his best and we were sitting absolutely miles away but you know it's just just one of those things isn't it and it's quite a cool first gig to have gone to it doesn't doesn't get much quite, better yeah. than that <laughs> no it's a slight undersell yeah. there, I'd say. Um, wow. Okay. Excellent. Uh, all right. Song eight is a cover. So you went for Mary Clayton, uh, Southern Man. Yes. Yeah. I'm not usually very confident in my opinions, but I think I'm pretty safe in saying that this is the best cover ever. <laughs> it's okay. so, so, so good. Um, if do you, do you know the original, the Neil Young version? Um, yeah. on after the gold rush so mary clayton's a sort of um i guess like a 70s soul singer who's probably most famous for being in kind of backing bands of rock songs so like sympathy for the devil and things like that um and there was a film that came out a few years ago called like 15 feet from stardom or something about those kind of uh-huh. those singers and the kind of arc of them that they never had you know careers of their own and isn't that sad but she made some great records um Uh and this i think it's self-titled is one of them that i just found in a record shop digging about 10 years ago um and this song is just absolutely outrageously good um because it's a fantastic song the original but it's so much more urgent and angry um, and mm. it suits the the delivery suits the song so much better than the Neil Neil Young version yeah. does, and the vocal sort of acrobatics on it are just out of this world. Um, yeah, I just think she's just obviously absolutely extraordinary singer. But there's so, and it also yeah. kind of it has a different meaning being sung by a sort of black woman because um, you know it's, a, it's obviously yeah. a song about kind of slavery in the deep south. Um, right, and it's just the most kind of urgent, like bloodthirsty <laughs> rendition of a song. Yeah. You know, it's it's absolutely yeah. you know the bull rips cracking and the way her voice sort of begins to crack as she screams is just you know you feel the sort of power and the frustration of it, and it's just one yeah. of the most unbelievable vocal deliveries that i've ever heard on a record ever and i highly recommend people listen to it yeah i yeah i i i thought this is an incredible song i um i i knew the name mary clayton when i when i saw it come up um because i'd not really listened to her before but i um i knew the name and i couldn't quite put my finger on why and then i remembered i'd I'd just been speaking to my brother about this like a couple of weeks ago um because we were talking Mm. about the rolling stones and I don't know if you've heard it, but there's there's a there's a clip where they have the isolated vo- vocals, like yeah, her vocal stem for in "Gimme Shelter," 
um where yeah like it's it's the crack in her vocal and you can hear mick jagger in the background going, yeah Whoa! yeah yeah because uh, it's like she's just like smashed it um and like that's that's a weird thing for me because i was like i i listened to that and i thought this is this must be the most incredible singer like she must be mm. amazing and they never thought to look up and find her music or find more songs of hers or find her yeah. singing on other stuff um which i don't i don't really understand that part of my brain but um but you know i agree with everything you said i think the 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 anger in it the performance of it it just it it lends itself to the song so well and yeah it's just it's just it's, it's an incredible song i get to a point when i listen to these um playlists where if i feel i'm familiar with them enough i will sort of skip through mm. the playlist so i'm like okay no i know that one yeah, i know yeah. that one i know that one i might need to focus on this one a little bit more every time i did that with this playlist i just listened to the <laughs> song just oh great yeah. it's just so good it's just it's, so it's so incredible and yeah at that moment and yeah i think you can find it on youtube um if people want to seek mm. it out it's just extraordinary because she just every time you think she's got to sort of 11 she just goes up and up and up <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. spot it's properly spine tingling stuff um yeah such That's a great track yeah all right perfect song nine then is a song that you would sing at karaoke so you went for somebody <laughs> well, to love this in many ways is a very simple answer to quite a simple question because it's just the truth <laughs> yeah um and much okay. as i sort of loved queen when i was young and kind of still do i think they're another one where you have to be a little bit there's kind of a caveat of being slightly apologetic about being a queen fan but i guess no i'm not really i love mm. queen but um i've just i've always sung this in karaoke and i will until i can't do it anymore which judging on my last performance might not be that long till i have to hang up hang up the old boots but i just i mean and he's just such an amazing i'm vocalist and as a singer you know i i did sort of sing at university and things that is kind of my background um so it was a bit okay. it's a bit of a party piece really because it's you know it's it's a bit of a sort of vocal workout a lot of a lot of big notes okay. a lot of high falsetto and a bit of sort of showmanship and i guess it sort of scratches the itch of me not being in a band or not sort of singing live anymore is that every now and then whenever okay. there's a sort of karaoke thing i'll try and play it cool for like maybe one pint and then i'll be like give it over here it's time for somebody to love <laughs> and uh yeah i mean as far right. as i know i haven't sort of majorly cocked it up yet me and my friend robin who i do the podcast with did it yeah. in a pub really quite pissed in this quite rough pub in forest hill quite recently that was my, its last outing and there, there were quite a lot right, of okay. bemused uh, bemused faces around because <laughs> I, I you, you can't go half-assed you know it's one of those ones no you, absolutely you have not. to commit um yeah but you know I, I love i do love queen unapologetically and freddie yeah you know it's just so fun to sing it's just such a great vocal line and mm. i just unfortunately i unashamedly love karaoke which is quite right. an uncool thing but uh you know i'm not i'm not good at much <laughs> and i can't play football <laughs> so that's my thing <laughs> okay excellent i like I, i'm 
I'm impressed. I haven't even heard it, but I'm impressed. I mean, it's a it's a big it's a big opening line for a start. Like yeah, you, it's very much go big or go home. Like you can't <laughs> you like, and I, you'll know you'll know in that first line how it's gonna go. Yeah, because it's uh, true. Yeah, um, it's it's setting the tone for sure. It certainly is, and well, it just gets yeah, it really builds and builds, and then you can get you yeah. can get the crowd singing along. Um, in oh yeah, the, yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. In, the, in the the end bit, you know, at the mm-hmm. time before last, I did it. I was. Um, I keep saying I'm so drunk, but I suppose I'm always so drunk when I do karaoke. But it was for a huge yeah. warehouse full of drag queens at about two in the morning on the South Bank, and uh, I right. I saw. I, I mean, I don't remember an enorm- enormous amount of it, <laughs> but I saw the video <laughs> back, and I was like, still got it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's more impressive than anything you've said i don't think there's a single person on this earth that has watched back a video of themselves <laughs> and enjoyed the show yeah i did uh, ask uh, my girlfriend i said if it's really bad don't show it to me <laughs> right so there okay. you go it's probably been one of yeah. the ones that have been locked away in a vault <laughs> oh man okay perfect so song 10 is a song that reminds you of a specific place so you went for let down. Yeah, really yeah. I bought this uh, most Im- probably the most important kind of musical crossroads or decision that I made as a young child, uh, about twelve, I think. Bought it on uh-huh. cassette on a ferry, going to France with my family, um, driving through down to the south of France with three young siblings. Really don't recommend it. Um, right. But I got this record um, and I kind of knew, I knew like Creep, I guess, and I'd heard Street Spirit and the song, mm. The Bends, and I really liked them. I, you know, I, I was a, I remember sort of actively looking forward to reading Melody Maker and a new Radiohead record coming out, but there was nothing I don't think could have quite prepared me for what an impact that record would make on me and driving around sort of Paris and France and my mum getting really annoyed with me because I wasn't looking at any of the sort of amazing scenery <laughs> I was just absolutely transfixed and I was just I'd get to the end of the tape turn it around at fitter happier put it on again and just do that for a week um and this song in particular but I just I'd never heard anything like it it was a proper kind of Damascene moment they mm. are kind of if I was forced to pick a favourite band I guess they would be it um, it's just kind of right place right time for me been yeah. so into them my whole life and they just kept getting better and better and music for me was always such a kind of I was so into things like you know Bowie or the Beatles which was either from you know 20-30 years ago or I was listening to you know Britpoppy stuff which was just so far away from my kind of existence as Mm. a sort of music nerdy middle class kid in Oxford Um, and they were just yeah they just felt really kind of from my world 
and over mm. the you know over the next sort of all my teenage years growing up in Oxford and sort of seeing them about the place seeing Tom York wandering through the covered market at the same time as them being sort of the, the biggest band in the world <laughs> and mm. you know mm-hmm. it, and just uh, there were so many kind of life-changing songs on life-changing records but this was the first song off the kind of the record that really opened up that kind of door for me and yeah I just I don't really know what my music taste would be or who I would be if I hadn't bought OK Computer when I was 12 wow okay yeah are you a fan yeah I mean so Radiohead for me are like I was very much into sort of guitar based music so Mm. um uh (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to expose myself here by hesitating on mm. the name of the album uh, The Bends yeah yeah so I love that album um, I I think like, it was just sort of it was the right level for me of like being accessible because it was like quite rocky in parts and quite challenging yeah, yeah. in other parts so it was like that was about the level for me mm. OK Computer and I think Kid A to an extent, but mainly OK Computer. It OK Computer is actually like the the reason that I picked the category a song that took you a while. Because oh, right, that okay. for me is an album that a friend said to me, OK Computer is one of the best albums. It's one of my favourite albums. It's incredible. You need to listen to it. You need to you need to be a fan of this. But it's gonna take you a while. You're not going to enjoy it mm. the first time you listen to it. Um, probably not the second. It's going to take a bit of effort, but you will love it. Mm. Um, and he was right. It just like it, it, yeah. it took me a good few listens, and it, it always I always find it surprising. It's just because it's my own my own headspace, but I always find it surprising mm. when people connect with some of the the I would say stranger Radiohead stuff. Um, yeah. straight away, because because yeah. for me it was like it was something that was just so just so out there and different and um like any kind of music that i'd listened to where it was like where it was a little bit weird or a little bit strange was was still like guitar based or was still you know it was still mm. i don't know like normal time signatures and you know uh yeah um using like instruments that i recognized so there was also always something i could go back to that was kind of grounding about it and then okay computer was just like this completely new thing um, yeah, but yeah, like I, I it's did, funny I came how it massively. yeah. Sometimes your kind of brain shuts down a bit though when it, it just hears something that's just so unfamiliar. Yeah, and I kind of I always fight that urge, but it, it kind of does happen. But I remember seeing them in two thousand when they were touring Kid A before the record had come out, uh-huh. and they played Idiotech, which is one of the you know it's probably like the biggest departure you can get from you know something that might be on the, the Benz or yeah, sure. Pablo Honey and it was just such a kind of I remember watching because we, we were sort of quite far back in this huge tent and watching half the people sort of looking at each other being like what the fuck can I swear on this podcast <laughs> yes you can yeah yes yeah, like, what the fuck is this and then the other half that were obviously a bit more into I don't know they must have been more into kind of ravey square pushery apex twin or whatever yeah just like absolutely lapping up right and I remember being like, I definitely like those people look like they're having more fun, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm going to sort of go with this. So I right. kind of made a kind of a conscious decision yeah. to, you know, 
not that people that aren't doing it are not sort of giving it the benefit of the doubt or whatever but um yeah like kid a confused so many people yeah but now i guess it's sort of looked at as not being that weird i guess yeah yeah all these years on yeah 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 i i think that is i think that is always a challenge for people um it's always a challenge for me when I, I don't like it when artists go in slightly different directions or like it used to really yeah. bother me when artists went in slightly different directions like when they brought out a new album I was like no what I wanted was the album that I like but with new songs mm. I just want more of that please um, yeah so I can imagine you know for for people who got into Pablo Honey and the Benz and like that style of music to hear Indio <laughs> Tech they'd be like no this yeah. is so far from what I want but then it's funny know, it's like their sort of Arctic Monkeys record that came yeah. out a couple of months ago or a month ago whatever it was yeah. I really like it yeah. um, but I've never been a huge fan but I've spoken to so many people who would say you know they probably had a similar experience with early Arctic Monkeys records that I did with something like OK Computer Yeah, and they're so sort of pissed off <laughs> <laughs> and I just find that a bit baffling like the worst yeah. that I would think is like Oh, it's oh well, it's not for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it, or it's better than no record by the Arctic Monkeys, or yeah, whatever it might be. But I guess when you're so kind of evo- emotionally invested in you, feel I don't think feeling ownership over a band or yeah, it is necessarily a bad thing at all. But yeah, for you know, for artists, like we were talking to. Um, guy called sam carter who's the lead singer of architects on our podcast the other day oh yeah and he was just talking about how difficult it is to sort of change direction as a musician and now we have sort of social media and uh-huh. there's sort of the shit that you get right from people who don't like what you're doing with a record so yeah i think yeah i think that my instinct is just tr- try and say it's like the last bonobo record i remember it came out and it's basically like a kind of that record his early stuff meant so much to me and I remember just having that thing like you know what I'm not going to get annoyed <laughs> that I don't yeah. like this life's too short I'll just just walk away <laughs> and leave it to other people <laughs> yeah yeah I know I know I I've, I got to that point now as well where it's like you know I, I get very bored of people getting into that kind of mentality of you know getting angry at an artist because it's not what they wanted like, yeah because it's like you know what what you wanted is still there you know the the yeah, the album exactly. that you wanted the new version of you can still listen to that yeah. it's like when people get annoyed about reboots now I'm just like I'm just over that you know mm. the you know the old version you know, Ghostbusters is a good example old Ghostbusters is still there go yeah. watch that no one's stopping it changed you. Yeah. yeah the fact that there's a new one doesn't impact it yeah and you know I say that with the full knowledge that I have been that person a lot <laughs> in the past oh, yeah, no, but same. I think um, you know with the benefit of a, li- a tiny, tiny bit of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I got to that place. <laughs> it's growth. It's growth, Jack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, but we're if the new Frank o- Ocean album is shit, <laughs> we absolutely live it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll say a record as well. I like the car. Um, the Arctic mm. Monkeys album. I think, it, I think it's great. But I, I, I haven't listened to a lot of Arctic Monkeys in a while. I think AMPM yeah. was probably the last album that I really got right. into. Um, 
and then I, I haven't been on that journey with him so I knew it was weird and I knew mm. it was different and I just listened to it as an album and I was like I think this is great I think they've done something yeah. really interesting it's just so good mm. that bands of that kind of stature can have their artistic freedom to sort of do something like that yeah you know I think it's that's quite healthy that they've decided to make a sort of croony Richard Hawley record <laughs> no absolutely <laughs> great yeah. all power I mean, to like, look, like Radiohead would have been a really boring band if they just did Pablo Honey and the Benz for we certainly wouldn't albums. be talking about them now. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, it, you know, I think, I, I think people will look back on the Arctic Monkeys and bands like that maybe more favorably, with the benefit of hindsight when they look back oh, at yeah, the back catalogue and yeah. everything that they've done and the whole journey of it. They'll look at like different eras and different albums and, um, mm. but yeah, I yeah, the the internet is a. It's just a cesspit, isn't it, for people's <laughs> opinions? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, song eleven is a song that reminds you of a specific person. So you went for Black, Brown, and Beige by Keith Ellington. Yeah, this is um, it's my favorite piece of music by kind of my dad's favorite artist. Okay, and um, yeah, my my dad was sort of born in the early 40s like war baby basically the absolute perfect age for the Beatles and hippie culture and being sort of 18 in you know in the 60s up until your sort of mid 20s what I would bloody give to have have been that age but he didn't give a shit about any of that (laughs) he uh he liked Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong and sort of swing music and jazz music which um n- like nowadays i'm very grateful for because he's given me a good kind of education um yeah. in that sort of music and i didn't grow up in a sort of hugely musical family no one everyone in my family is very sort of tone deaf but okay. my dad's sort of super passionate about jazz and has a kind of like 10 year olds football sticker attitude to all of the kind of key players and he knows he learned all their names when he right. was young he still remembers them and he, he saw all the saw all the greats you know Louis Armstrong and you know Dizzy Gillespie or whoever um, and whenever I sort of go home and see them we always end up listening to Duke Ellington um, and particularly this which is kind of on the more sort of highbrow scale of Ellington, I suppose. Uh-huh. Were you familiar at all with with Black, Brown, and Beige? No. no. So it's kind of a music suite written in the kind of I think it was during the war, with the ambition of creating sort of a high art that was kind of that could be seen as a bit comparable to sort of contemporary classical European music, okay. um, which Duke Ellington absolutely has the chops for. Yeah. Um, as a composer and arranger, he's right up there with you know the Stravinsky's and the Prokofiev's and all of the you know the big names in Europe in that sort of half of the 20th century. And this is a suite of music that's just it's very jazzy and still quite sort of big bandy and accessible, mm. but it's kind of in way 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 ahead of its time in that it's kind of chronicling the whole kind of history of like the black experience right which in 1943 um is pretty Mm. extraordinary um and 
beyond the fact that it's an absolutely exceptional piece of music um it's just such a kind of underappreciated sort of cultural behemoth mm. um and it also really swings and mm. it's got some fantastic performances on it um i just absolutely i think it's just incredible i think it's yeah. absolutely amazing this whole record unfortunately it's sort of it was originally designed in in sort of more kind of a songy songbooky kind of structure and then the version that is on this playlist because i think it might be the only one on apple music or whatever is a revised version where it was done in sort of parts of a suite so i had to had to pick one and i picked the first part because that's where all the sure. kind of essentially the overture to it um mm. but yeah if anyone finds that concept of that interesting and wants to listen to the whole thing it's not very long and i really um really recommend it it's a shame it doesn't get performed as much as it should mm. um yeah but i think yeah, it's just one of one of the great sort of beyond jazz one of the great sort of classical pieces of music of that mm. kind of war period it's incredible i think and yeah. it really reminds me of my dad who is someone i absolutely love to bits but you know common ground sort of culturally is quite thin on the ground um, so okay. his this music in particular means a hell of a lot to me yeah okay all right brilliant yeah um i said this before in the show but for me uh my relationship with with jazz is um i, I see j- jazz very like uh red wine mm. in that um i don't know very much about it uh i know what i like and i know what i don't like but mm-hmm. i could not tell you why Right. Um, okay. That's a really good analogy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, it makes you feel awful and, in the morning if you listen to too much. Of it. <laughs> um, and yeah, and and to be honest, like I probably, I probably, you know, uh, like things for the wrong reason, or like the wrong jazz, or like the wrong red wine. Um, but I, I'm a sucker for for like that sort of big band energy. So. Mm. This is right in the sweet spot for me. The Shiraz um, of, uh, <laughs> of, yeah. of oh, jazz just, music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it's just incredible. It's um, oh great! I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, I, I absolutely yeah. loved it, and I, I definitely will get into the the full suite when I when I get a chance because, mm. yeah, it just it's it. I don't know. There's just something about this type of music that just completely sucks me in. Um. It's just, it's just beautiful. I don't really have an awful lot to say about it. No, not at all. It's just, it's just incredibly sort of powerful yeah. and beautifully played. And yeah, it's just a, a kind of exceptional music. I'm glad we're at the point now where we can look back on it um, in the same regard as, you know, the big orchestral mm. composers of that point because it got pretty dismissed at the time. But I think, uh, yeah, in a hundred years, it'll be right up there as one of the greatest things written in the you know certainly in american orchestral music or classical music Mm. yeah Yeah. all right brilliant song 12 is a song that motivates you so you've gone for a race for the prize for flaming lips yeah this is a pretty uh this was probably the easiest one to answer um i just think this song is an absolute banger (laughs) and uh whenever yeah if i do need a bit of a pick-me-up or i need to sort of find a little bit of energy somewhere this song first song of a soft bulletin it's an amazing record um just 
it's crazy it's just pure flaming lips sort of energy it's just a great song about some scientists having a race <laughs> to make something <laughs> never really thought about it too much but um i just love the big right. sort of bon john bonamy drums um and that hook is just so explosive mm. um mm -hmm. just makes me want to sort of stand up and be like fuck what now what are we doing come on let's go <laughs> um yeah it's it's a completely kind of um you know visceral choice mm. um okay don't have much more a bit maybe this is a bit like the um you know relaxing one it just gets me going and i absolutely yeah. love the flaming lips and i love this record and i think it is one of the best records of the 90s um but i just love their sort of their vibe and if you ever go and see them and you see them play this live when they're sort of shooting out the confetti cannons and he's you know there's dancing snails on stage and he's running around in his little hamster ball that's just right. as fun as it gets in the live music experience yeah mm. yeah yeah so it's just pure energy for you is this, it's just it's pure just a, pure energy yeah, yeah it's just it'll, it'll if i'm running or something and i'm really flagging then this will right. be absolutely top of the list to sort of let me i'm not one of those like let's go up a gear kind of guys but um <laughs> you know it will it will help me i'm trying to, i don't want to say find something in my locker because i'll sound like an absolute tit but whatever a non-titty version of that phrase is <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I like I like the phrase non titty version. Yeah, um, it's a non titty version. Good. Yeah. 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 Good band name. I <laughs> um Alright, so song thirteen is a song someone introduced you to. So you went for Uncle Guns Blazing. Yeah, so this is the first track of science fiction which came out in about ninety eight or ninety nine. Um, collaboration between James Lavelle who ran a record label called Moax and DJ Shadow off the back of his um, of like introducing and stuff which at the time of discovering this or being introduced to it I didn't know it but um, my friend Doug who I mentioned earlier who was sort of my parents and his parents met in maternity classes and they're still best friends and we're still best friends but he's sort of my right. kind of musical sort of soulmate because no one in my family was really that into music and I didn't have a big brother, which I'm sure is a bit of a recurring theme, or big sister, um, where you get sort of passed down stuff. But he had an older brother who right. was just like a little bit more sort of switched on. And um, at risk of sounding really cool, I had quite an enormous nosebleed <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was about, so what is it, 98? I would have been about 13 or something. And it was so bad and sexy that I had to go to hospital <laughs> and right. they made me stay in the hospital overnight and um, my friend Doug and his brother brought me a load of cassette tapes and one of them was science fiction by Uncle that I think um, my friend's brother Ed had read a review in like Melody Maker or something and just gone and bought it that day and taped it for me and I just remember listening to all these like beeping and blooping sounds for like the first minute again quite a weird right. choice when you listen to it on an actual playlist because the first 
minute. It's nothing yeah, but sort of like ambient tape piss <laughs> and some bleep bleeping. But then after yeah, that, yeah. it sort of builds up and it goes, you get this line from the original Star Wars promo, which goes, somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now. And then right. this drum beat kicks in and it just like knocked down the doors of a whole new kind of type of music to me. Um, the drum mm. break is really explosive and it just kicks off into this amazing kind of... I mean, I, I, I guess it's like kind of vintage, kind of cl but cleaned up DJ Shadow type breakbeat um, sure. with this amazing um, rap from B Daddy Kane. And while it's not necessarily um, my favourite track on that record... It was like a literal like sit up in bed and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and it was like a proper fork in the road. I remember listening to it just and being like, oh, do I listen to the next track or do I wind it back and listen to that again? And I was like, I need to listen to that mm. again. Round, wound it all the, back, all the way back and listen to it again. And it was just like a proper, you know, moment where it, God knows what my music taste would have been like if it hadn't, because I never really had heard any kind of experimental hip hop. The hip hop that I knew right. was kind of, I don't know, I Miss You, Puff Daddy or Coolio, whatever it was, you know, um, mm. being from, you know, Oxfordshire. I wasn't really like tuned in <laughs> with that sort of side of sure. side of things. Um, but yeah, that, that led us to go and discover like introducing um and then realizing that introducing was a massive influence on OK Computer, and then getting into like Moax as a label, and then getting more into labels. My guitar sort of got put to one side. Turntables were mm. on the top of my sort of birthday list, and right it just sort of yeah, it was a real kind of defined fork in the road where I discovered like what we would call then like underground hip hop which got me into sort of Stone's yeah. Throw and like MF Dune and this whole sort of countercultural sort of mm. experimental music thing, which then became a whole new kind of set of friends that I had. And, you know, and also crucially for someone of my age, I managed to sort of completely avoid new metal and all of the sort of terrible shit that my kind of contemporaries were listening to and I was sort of I got into record digging and I'd get trained up to London every Saturday that I could and go sort of fiddling around in select a disc and um, yeah made, it was a whole new passion for music that felt sort of completely my own and all of that right. goes back to that opening drum beat on that song really um, it's, and that record to this day is I, I bumped into James Avell in my local pub in Oxfordshire about 10 years ago and told him that story and uh, I don't know what I expected him to say but it didn't really give much of a shit <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for letting me tell you as well <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah it's a, it's an absolute corker of a record because it also had you know it had like Tom York on it and it had Mike D so actually it's had quite a few of my choices so it's had a, had a Beastie mm. Boy had a, someone from Radiohead and it you know Richard Ashcroft and you know the critical I think it's been slightly critically reappraised as maybe a bit like um 
you know, maybe pumped up a bit by the kind of trip hoppy thing of the late nineties. But I still think it's mm-hmm. a proper ten out of ten record and one of my favourites ever, for sure. Hmm. Okay. Perfect. Don't have much to add to that, but sure. um, yeah, I think uh Yeah, I I, I I like that and I, I I think most of us have that moment of listening to a song or listening to a piece of music and thinking I didn't know you were allowed to do that. Yeah. Music. Like, like yeah. music for me is like this particular thing. And then there's this whole other world. Um, yeah. I, I, like get, getting into an entire like subculture off the back of it is, uh, is quite exciting. Mm. Like this whole new community. So yeah, no, I, re- mm. I really, really like that. Um, um, and if you don't know that record, then that's definitely not the actual best track on it. And I recommend <laughs> listening to, okay. um, something like Rabbit in Your Headlights, the Tom York one, um, okay. or Lonely Soul with Richard Ashcroft, which is also superb and has been on a Perfect. lot of adverts, so it must be good. <laughs> That's the yeah. test, yeah. All right, song 14 is a song you wouldn't expect to like, <laughs> so you went for Hopelessly Devoted to You. Yeah, Olivia Newton-John. certainly did. Uh, another one that when you listen to it in a playlist is absolutely superb. Because it, yeah. it's sort of this big after and just beautiful. crescendo yeah. as well, and and then there's yeah. a few sort of test pips, and then it goes straight into this sort of quite slushy ballad from Greece. But um, yeah, I didn't really know how to answer this question because, like mm. you mentioned, I'm not really one for sort of guilty pleasures, and I'm not really one to have that many expectations about whether I will like something or not but this is definitely sure. pretty out there for what mm. I consider to be one of the best songs ever written <laughs> right, okay, yeah. um, and I have not really I mean that's a little bit hyperbolic but um, I mean I didn't yeah I remember Greece I have sort of fond memories of because my sister was obsessed with it and used to watch it over and over again I would maintain that the two best songs in Greece are the ones that were written for the film by the guy from the Stranglers, <laughs> um, right. not the ones from the musical. But I just think there's not a lot much more to say about this than it's just a brilliantly written bit of pop music. And I don't mm. really like musicals that much. And I don't really like sort of, you know, don't even. I mean, Greece is fine, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just think this song is an absolute ripper. Um, yeah. And yeah. it would be no, up there with a karaoke choice as my second one. Oh, yeah. nice one! Okay, good, good. Yeah, no, it's 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 a beautiful song, and I think yeah, I I I, I find myself doing that sometimes of just like of only associating it with Greece. Mm. Um, but like when you, I I quite like listening to it in this playlist, so that that sort of that context was stripped from it a little bit, and you just listen to it as a pop song, um, because it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, like it's. It's so if great. like Aretha um, Franklin had done it, then people would yeah. go nuts about it. <laughs> yeah, um, and obviously, no, I think it's I think it's gorgeous. Yeah, um, and yeah, like so. <clears throat> as far as the category goes, so like we'll people behind the curtain. Mm. I know. Um, I was talking to you and uh, Robin, who you know, spoiler alert, should hopefully be on the show. Oh, soon. great. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, because he struggled with this category as well. So, what I said to Robin was, I think if I if I were to re reboot the podcast mm. and do the categories again, this is this would be the first category to go. Oh right, okay. Because 
because I think when I when I set the, the list up, I had that very narrow like mindset in terms of what my taste in music mm. was. And I think I I kind of assumed that most people had again a very narrow mindset of what their taste in music was, but it would just be different to what my narrow mindset was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense. So then, so yeah, so I kind of when I was planning it out, it was kind of like, what's a genre that would that would be different to my taste in music or what's like an artist mm. that I think is like probably a bit shit but actually they've got this song that I really like um whereas now what you know after doing this for for a year I've kind of I've let go a lot of a lot of mm. that and I've like I consciously did but also just through listening to lots of different music like I've I've kind of let go of that as well so it's yeah I, I'm I'm in that sort of that same headspace as you talked about like like I don't I don't subscribe to the idea of guilty pleasures. I, um, I think you know people just like what they like. So, so yeah, I do find it's it is quite a difficult one to explain sometimes. Mm. But um, but I think the the test of a good song for this category is does it stand out as a a song that's very different to the rest of the list? And yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think Olivia just... Newton John in between between God's Blazing and, and the Beatles uh, definitely yeah definitely stands out um, um, and it definitely is something yeah. I wouldn't expect to like and I think if it hadn't been in you know a massive smash hit musical I'd never never would have heard it so yeah. in a way that's it's kind of um, you know it's saving grace or it's uh, you know mm. if it wasn't in Greece <laughs> it wouldn't be here I, uh, do you know what I was just about to say? I would, thought you were going to say "Saving Grace" there, and I was going to hang <laughs> up, uh, and then you did it. Uh, yeah, all right. We've only got one song to go with. So. Good stuff. Um, all right, song fifteen, song you think everyone should listen to. So you've gone for "Strawberry Fields Forever" for the Beatles. Yeah, um, I guess like the key word is listen in this one because there's a lot of Beatles songs that I have you know when you grow up with music your whole life um sometimes you don't really listen to them and 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 until sort of one day where you're like oh my god (laughs) and (laughs) obviously strawberry fields has always been absolutely incredible but i think because people know it so well and it is strawberry fields forever people don't really listen to it Whereas yeah. if you take the time to look into what is so extraordinary at that at, about that song and the way it's written and the way it's recorded, it's a complete one-off, freak of nature, something that is just so otherworldly and just feels like it's sort of landed fully form on this planet and just... I just don't really understand how it could be made, even though I know every minute detail about it and how it was created. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a it's an unbelievably beautiful song, but it's so ahead of its time to the point where it's kind of alarming. The amount of coincidences involved in it being the way it is all these years later, j- just is just incredible and I've had such an amazing time doing this podcast with Robin over the years and um, it's just made me sort of listen to things in a different way Mm. not necessarily in a more kind of analytical way but 
I guess when you talk about music with someone else who has an amazing perspective on it that's not necessarily your like or that's a different sort of angle to yours I just appreciate songs like this so much more from from doing that podcast and being you know friends with friends with Robin and I think this is one of those songs that you can you go, oh yeah I know Strawberry Fields Forever of course it's Strawberry Fields Forever and then if you take the time to be like you know what I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to really listen to it and I'm going to think about the sort of context and listen to the way he's delivering that vocal and what's going on here you know it just it's absolutely incredible songs like that there aren't many of them mm. you know you, things like yesterday or god only knows or whatever they might be but the ones that are the absolute pinnacle of kind of pop music songwriting they you get sure. so much out of them by returning to them even if it's just you who's a slightly different person and the song hasn't changed um so mm. yeah i would say to anyone who hasn't listened to that song for a while go back yeah. to it and listen to it on some you know good setup and have a think about it and fall in love with it again yeah. because that's kind of what our podcast is about and i just i love the way that your relationship with the music that you love evolves um and i'm yeah I, i'm really interested in that um and that song kind of sums that kind of feeling up f for me so yeah that would be my answer to that one beautiful um i'd say like first first convert right here um not convert that's mm. the wrong word but i know um, what you mean though yeah but no i i i agree with you like i i I, I, I do that a lot and I've talked about this a lot on the show um, I quite like it when I have like like a like a famous song on a list like a lot of the songs I listen to are are new to me but I, I do really like the um, one from the last episode would have been Gold by Spandau Ballet mm. like that's a song I've never really actually listened to that is a banger it, <laughs> incredible incredible yeah. song but I don't think I'd ever actually like taken the time to listen to that song myself because i was aware mm. of the song and i think that's exactly what you're talking about here is like i think the the beatles is a really good example of that where because i feel like i know the beatles and i know like the big songs and i've heard strawberry fields forever of course i have like i've you know i i, I know like it's it's a it's a famous like thing with the beatles of like of course i'm aware of it but again i i think that's maybe one that i've never actually sat down and probably listened to that song and and the different things that are going in on it and i think that's you know again something i've started to appreciate more from doing this show and and, and paying attention to music a little bit more is sort of the different things that go on in a piece of music the different things the mm. little notes here and there or little um things going on in the background that, that make up a song make up a, a sound um so yeah I, like i this is it's probably the first time I've properly listened to Strawberry Fields Forever and I, I thought it was incredible. I had an amazing time with it. So so yeah. Oh, I think it's a, a a great answer. Great. Um, so yeah. yeah. So yeah, cool. everyone else listening should do exactly the same. Yeah. I don't take them don't take those things for granted, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a, like a big theme of the of some of the songs you've picked as well, but a big theme of the podcast, you know, um classics are classics for a reason 
quite a lot of yeah, the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes songs make it big because they're the path of least resistance. Um, sometimes they make it big because it connects with people, and it connects with a lot of people. And mm. yeah, there, there, there's a reason for that. So I mean, I think that's definitely worth exploring rather than dismissing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Perfect. Well, that's a great note to end on. So, uh, Jack, do you have anything you want to uh, plug or promote? What have you? Um, well, you can listen to the Your Own Personal Beatles podcast, um, where me and my good friend Robin chat to uh, comedians and musicians and writers about uh, their relationship with the Beatles. And it's kind of ostensibly a podcast about the Beatles, but it's more about sort of formative musical experiences and how they kind of affect your life. And we've had people like Adam Buxton and John Ronson and... Josh Whittaker, May Martin, loads of amazing people. Um, we're yeah. on our third series at the moment, so you can listen to that. And uh, yeah, watch Taskmaster at nine o'clock on Thursdays because <laughs> I also work on that show. <laughs> Perfect. That'll, that'll plug itself, though, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, for anyone listening who hasn't heard of Taskmaster. Yeah, uh, apparently it's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, Jack, thank you very much. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. That is it for episode 53 of Mixtape and Identity. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out your own personal Beatles. It's an excellent music podcast. They have some incredible guests on there, like dream guests as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, it's, it's great music chat. They really know their stuff. It's not all Beatles focused, but it is Beatles centric. And uh, and yeah, they, they cover a lot of similar sorts of themes to what we cover here. If you like this show and you want to support it, then uh, you can throw us a couple of quid for an episode that you've enjoyed. There's a coffee link in the description of the podcast. Uh, if you are not in a position to do that, then all the other support is appreciated. If you haven't already liked or reviewed the, the podcast, then please do that. And just tell your friends, tweet about it, share it in your story, tell an actual friend in real life in a conversation. All that support is much appreciated. I will be back next week for episode 54 with the other half of your own personal beatings. So until then, look after yourselves, and we'll speak to you soon.